Well, before I get going here, let me uh, say that we have a few t-shirts left over, the Surge t-shirts. So if you want one of those, you can buy it. Um, see Jeremiah or one of the young people, there's a guy collar and a girl collar. Um, that'll just go to the youth ministry to assist them with things that they're doing. So, um, but uh, we don't want to set them back in the closet. You know, when Jesus, uh, when he came, if you think about what it means to be one and be a community, and what you just saw was a member of our church sharing about how uh, their lives had an overwhelming amount of responsibility and challenge, and there was a point where they turned to others. When they turned to those others, there was something going on in the midst of that relationship that it wasn't just people helping people, but it was Christ in people helping others. And it's so, so important for us to recognize that, that we can help people, but if we're helping them and it's just a focus on the here and now, then we've helped them in this life, but we've deprived them of the life to come. And so in the, in the midst of the idea of helping one another, being community, being there for each other, it's so important for us to do that with an eternal perspective. Can you say amen? And so... Uh, I love the video, Beth. I love how you shared in the video, and Toshi shot that and put it together, and uh, a great opening to what I believe the church is supposed to be all about. What I believe the Bible instructs us that as believers, um, we should look to the left and right of us, in front of us and behind us, and recognize the people around us and what might be going on in their life. Have you ever felt like you were the only one? on the earth going through something and no one else really understood come on right we've all been there before right and then we run into somebody and they begin to talk about what they're going through you're like wow i'm going through the same thing or i'm going through something similar to that and man my situation doesn't look half as bad as yours you know <laughs> you ever been there <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like man jesus uh, all i know is evidently uh, you're blessing me because i'd rather deal with what i'm dealing with than what they're dealing with it's in those moments, too, that oftentimes what happens is, is, is uh, our heart, you know, our heart is gripped with an understanding of what it means to serve others. I can be, I can be in a bad situation, but all of a sudden this person has a worse situa situation, and where I didn't feel like I had anything to offer, all of a sudden I can find myself encouraging them, even though I need encouragement uh, my tank has a little more encouragement in it than, than theirs does, and now I find myself giving something that I didn't feel like I had. And you think about, as we've already taken communion this morning, the reality is, is that Jesus had it all and he gave it all up. <laughs> he took our hopeless situation of sin took it upon himself, and make no mistake about it, I refer to it all the time, and I can't help myself, but because to watch Jesus, to watch Jesus wrestle with taking that, being the encourager of all mankind when he's in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's pouring his heart out to God and asking for this difficult cup to pass from him, but, but yielding to God and saying, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Why? Because he came to be the savior of the world. You talk about an encourager. <laughs> Nothing encourages me, encourages me more than when I reflect upon what Jesus did and did not have to do, but wanted to do. Amen? Amen. 
And there's something about that uh, when you think about being a community and, and having that, that aspect of oneness within the community that we're all centered around uh, a, a unified purpose. And the only way for us to be unified, to be one together and to be one as a community when we have so many different preferences you know, some of us have different preferences on, on how loud the, the music is, or how quiet the music is. Some of us have preferences where it comes to songs. Some of us have preferences where it comes to the speaker. Some of us have preferences where it comes to what's going on in our children's ministry or our youth ministry and all those different dynamics that go on in a church community where we come because there's certain things that we're drawn to and yet, but I don't like that thing or I don't like that thing. It's part of what it, it takes. If you look around the room for a moment, look behind you and beside you for a moment. Because when I look around the room, see, I see young people all the way through, you know, folks that are in their, you know, 80s. I'm trying to be polite. I always use Miss Bev because Miss Bev is, is affectionately known in this church as Grandma Bev. And that'd be spiritual Grandma Bev. One of the most godly ladies that, that I've ever had the privilege of knowing in my Christian life has been this woman. Raise your hand, Bev, for those that don't know you. She was the, secret, she was the secretary of the church for how many years? 20, 24? Yeah, I always think it's 26, but... I think she might have made it 26, but I started running her around like crazy. And she's like, young man, you're wearing me out. And I looked at her, you're not going to retire on me. I was thinking about it. <laughs> but you know what? She has watched this church. You know, it's a generational church. You know what happens with a generational church? Everybody will walk out today having enjoyed some of it. And it would have been better if maybe it had this. Maybe you don't, but I'm saying in general, Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, eventually there's the like, well, the music was too, well, the young people liked the music today, but the older people didn't. We throw some hymns in there and we soften it up. The older people liked the music, but the young people didn't. It's kind of like sitting at the dinner table. Moms, you ever cook a meal and you set it in front of the family? But I don't like that. You're going to eat it. <laughs> That's what fancy. Together we are one community, we're family. And in a family, when you have a family and it's generational and you, you have a focus on young people, children all the way up through every generation, what happens is inevitably you set yourself up with the kind of ministry that people walk out and they like that, but they didn't like that. And in our society, let me say that there's, there's so much that, that, that we see where it's like, uh, you know, let's, let's cater it to this. Let's focus it just on that, and then you'll grow your church. And I, I, I submit to you that's not what Jesus was focused on. His disciples had that problem. You understand that, right? The kids are coming up to Jesus. The disciples are forbidding them. What does Jesus say? No, 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 no. Why, I want to show you what, what the King James says there. Suffer. Say suffer. Uh -huh. suffer the little children to come unto me. Hey, you suffer and let them come to me. They're an inconvenience to you, but let me say, unless you become like them, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. Come on now. Hmm. There'll be many things that try to, you know, pull a community apart, pull a family apart, to hack at that idea of being one. 
but it's all of our responsibility to guard the idea of being one. So I'll give you a phrase that we're going to be using a lot next year. It's called purpose over preference. Say that with me. Purpose over preference. We have preferences, but the purpose needs to always be exalted above the preference. If you have uh, different things you would prefer, let me just say, step up and do a life group and do the thing you prefer in your life group while staying focused on purpose. And let the church community have that full dinner table, the meal that's laid out there. It's like, well, I like that. Well, eat all that you want then. And then that thing you prefer, hey, go home and cook it. Feed yourself. Huh, come on. All right, pastors, you know. Like, I don't want to hear that. Am I right, saints? Let me tell you the kind of church body we are. When we embrace those ideals, we become a body that will grow in every generation, that will see lives transformed and changed, that will watch grandmas, you know, moms and grandmas and grandpas. I got to put that in there because I'm a grandpa. Grandmas and grandpas, moms and dads, and children worshiping side by side. Their God and Savior. That's so, so important to remain in our community. Now, before you think these are my ideas, I want to read this to you, our scripture for this series, John 17, 20 through 23. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. You see the plurality there. It's not I've given him or her. I've given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. How many of us strive for perfection? But yet that perfection will be found as we relate to one another. In the purpose of Christ, submitting those preferences and maybe, maybe experiencing them or, or, or enjoying those preferences, but with the idea of the purpose of being one in Christ. That they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you love me. That's that God has loved us as he loved his son Jesus. That's why I gave him to die on the cross. He loved us like he loved his son, and therefore his son who's perfect dies on the cross so that our relationship with the Father is restored. So let's look at the word community then. Here's what it means. Community, a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. I would say the thing that we have in common that makes us one is Christ. That's the the particular characteristic that causes us to be one is the love of Christ. The love of Christ for us and our love for him causes us to to put those preferences aside and focus on the purpose of Christ. Amen? Amen. And so then the next one is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitude, interests, and goals. I think it's pretty clear. Now in Ephesians 4, 11-16, Jesus defines exactly how that will be accomplished. And he himself... Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, stop there for a second. 
Let's just look at that again. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there are people meant to equip the saints? Okay. If we believe that, then we go on and we say that, that those that equip the saints, not that I don't do, I do the work of the ministry. It's my responsibility to share Christ and, and to, to be a witness to others that don't know Christ, to help somebody, you know, like uh, when I look at Angie and I have walked through so much in life at this point in our lives, in our marriage and things that we've worked through and talked through and lived through and and made it through. Come on now. Amen. Times we've enjoyed and times we haven't. We've raised our kids. And there's times that's been the most amazing thing. There's nothing that compares. To compare, is there? Than the joy that your children bring you. Until the moment that they bring you the greatest sadness. Come on. Your kids have always done the right thing, right? They've always made you happy. No. But do you quit on them? Do you stop loving them? No. Uh-uh. But I think about that, that it is my responsibility to share as a witness of how God, through his word, has guided Angie and I through each of those steps of our life. That, that's personal witness. Does that make sense? It's important for me to share about the challenges I faced in my own individual life and how the word of God has tra- the, the renewing of my mind, that not being conformed to this world, those voices on the outside, those things that want to pull me that way, that like, oh, that's a good idea, that's a good idea. The question is, is it a God idea? Is it something that God is telling me to do or follow or be? And oftentimes I find that's just not the case. <laughs> and it's up to me to yield myself, to submit myself to the ways of God, amen? And make no mistake about it, I've got pastors and leaders, I've got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers speaking into my life and teaching me. You know, I love to read. Anybody else love to read? That's not very many hands. Do you know that that, that that is a statistic that most people in a year's time might might read, you know, one or two books. In a year's time, I probably read at least 30 books, maybe, maybe more sometimes. And and the goal is always to be reading the scriptures. I don't even know how many times I read through the scriptures in a year. You know, when I'm sad, I go to Psalms. Come on, somebody. When you're sad, you're in the Psalms. It's like, yeah, David's sad too. He understands me. And then you get down to this point, and David's like, you know, he encouraged himself in the Lord. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but you follow the example that Scripture gives you, and you get the result that it promises. God always said, if you do this, I will do this. And see, it's not that, that God doesn't want to bless you in your toughest places. The fact is, He does. But he needs to get you to the place that the blessing flows. You understand that? It's like, I'm going to stay over here and just like, God, you just aren't big enough and you can't change my situation. And so, you know, if you, if you show up right now in the midst of this, and I don't believe you. God's going, well, since it's without faith, it's impossible to please me. And it's not a situation of you being up and me being down. It's the situation of me being up here and you being down. And so as you come to me as I am, come to God as he is. You seek him, right? You understand he's a rewarder, say rewarder, of those who diligently seek him. God, I'm going to seek me and I'm going to demand that you bless me while I seek myself. You'll find out in this series over the next four weeks 
that we're going to take a deeper look into how important it is not to be selfish, but to be selfless. And when we're selfless, what we're doing is we're inviting the very characteristics of God in our life. He was selfless when he gave his son to die on the cross. Jesus was selfless when he gave his, himself to die on the cross. And to follow him means we must be a selfless people. And we take no thought for ourselves, knowing that God, he knows every need that we have. And see, when we, when we begin to think of others above ourselves, then what happens is God will take all the care of you that you need. Amen? So, so if we believe that, here's what it says. It says, for the equipping of the saints, um, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So two things there defined for us in regard to being one together as a community of Christ is that it's for, for us to do the work of the ministry. We're equipped to do the work of the ministry for, and also to do this, to edify the body of Christ. The word edify simply means to build up. Look to your left and your right. People that are sitting around you, people you may know. That what happens is, is that, that you're equipped to do the work of the ministry. What is that? Uh, it's children back in the children's church learning these, these stories about the Bible that so many you know, in our generation grew up without those basic stories. And so when you're talking about Noah, they think it's like Hollywood painted the picture and it's nothing like that. The kids are back here being taught the Bible on their level According to the scriptures, not according to Hollywood. Come on now. And, and let me say this. If you have a child back there, you ought to be back there at least, you know, once a quarter. You ought to be jumping in there to serve. Why? Be a part of the growth that they have. Why? Because it's the work of the ministry. And, and you have people that are equipping. You, you know the Bible. You're learning the Bible. If you're learning it on this level, you're more than capable to go back there and put your hand to the plow of teaching them the simple things of Christ on their level, amen? amen? Now, I understand some of us are not wired for children's church. I, I, let me say, I so understand that, it's not even funny. I did children's church one time, and Angie fired me. <laughs> I'm a disciplinarian. <laughs> I get back, I got one kid, and he will not focus, and he's distracting everybody else, and I'm like, look, you're going to... Pay attention, dot, 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 dot. While I'm doing that, the rest of the kids are going crazy. And I'm like, you guys need to, and I'm all over the place. And Angie says, see, you focused on the one there rather than these over here. And, and you, you, what you do is you kind of got to let him do his thing and tell him he needs to get back in. But stay focused on the, the group and he'll kind of fall back in. I'm like, Can I just go back into Sunday service and preach? <laughs> we also need to do what we're gifted to do. But serving the kids, so my thing is, is, I can help, I can serve, I'll help with something, but I don't want to teach, because kids eat my lunch, <laughs> you know? I'm not saying that you need to do things that, that you can't do, I'm saying you need to do the things you can do. And that means that, that, in that, when I think generationally, together we are one, are the children one with us as a body of Christ? Are they part of the body of Christ? Or do we, do we perceive it as one day they'll be a part of the body of Christ? When we look at J-12, those that are in that 9-year-old to 12-year-old to stage, we call it J-12, that we want them to, to be about their father's business by the time they're 12 years old. Jesus certainly was. You know, y'all remember that story, right? He's off in the temple. Parents leave him. You know, and all you parents that's ever forgot your kids at school or something, just don't feel too bad about it because Mary and Joseph forgot Jesus one day. 
they're heading home. They got the cart. Everybody's loaded up, and they're on the way home. And they look around, and they're like, hey, where's Jesus at? I'm not joking. Go read the story. It's like, where's Jesus? It's like, the Bible says they assumed that he was among their kinfolk. So basically, it's kind of like, you know, you have a family event or whatever. You know, the kids left at school. We've done it before. And it's like, I thought you were getting, well, I thought you were getting them, right? I I assumed that my kid was among my kinfolk. And she assumed that our kid was among the kinfolk. And our kid's at school, (laughs) you know, getting scarred for life. (laughs) Hmm. They forgot Jesus, and he's in that temple, man. See, he was the apostle, the apostle, the prophet. He was the evangelist. He was the pastor, and he was the teacher. That's why he gave these gifts. He, he, he delegates that. He, he pours that gift out into a person. No, no one person has all those five gifts. Jesus was the one that had all five, and he gives it. And it's his body that he calls us to work and to build as we're equipped for the ministry. Hmm. Jesus is there. His parents show up. Where? You know how it goes. Where have you been? Right? And he gives the, did you not know? See, he did this one divine. You know what I'm saying? You got a picture. You go read the story. Did you not know I'd be about my father's business? He's confounding Pharisees and Sadducees. At 12 years old, he knows the scriptures so well. What would we be like as a church if from ch- children into J12 that the kids know the scriptures so well? I mean, they, you, know, you understand, those little boogers at 12 years old might not be theologically correct to say little boogers, <laughs> especially about our Savior. Huh. They could quote the first six books of the Bible. I think about, if you will, we're people driven by entertainment, so much so. I watch little Elijah. I'm not even joking. I watch his little finger when it comes to the iPhone. He's navigating this thing. I'm like, kids, this is it, like 14 months old. You know? And I get an iWatt, or the, what do you call it? The Fitbit, the, the one that's a watch and has all the screen as well I'm not joking he sees it's got like that shiny screen like a phone does and he taps it and it comes up and then he's like starts swiping it and it's moving around and it's doing I'm like what <laughs> and then he's like swiping up and it's showing all the stat you know my, all my stats and everything and he's like clicks on it and I'm like this kid's 14 months old God has given children a capacity to pick up so fast and anybody that's my age knows I lose so fast. <laughs> I'm just like, can I? This change, you know? If I could have that brain that can soak up, you know what I mean? To think if my parents would have immersed me. I didn't go, I mean, I went to some children's church a little bit, but not like most of you bring your kids here. And you immerse them in the Word of God, you immerse them in the lessons of God. And as the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they grow old, they won't depart from it. Some people call that indoctrination. And yes, there may be doctrine, teaching. There's doctrine in about everything out there. But I say it's the renewing of those little minds at an early stage. Because I'm quite certain that parents have also observed how quick 
their child picks up the word no. How quick, you don't touch that, and then next thing it's broken. <laughs> it's like, this little booger's got a sin nature, man, right? And, and how are they, so how are they then going to do the right thing when they're born into the wrong thing? Huh? The renewing of their mind. The sooner we do it, the better off our children are. Jesus was equipped. He was raised well by his parents, but at 12 years old, he's, he's heading into those teen years. You know what I'm saying? He was no different than any other. Well, quite different, but you know what I mean. He ended up doing what he felt he needed to be doing, and all I know is he got grounded longer than I've ever been grounded, longer than I ever grounded my children. People are like, how do you know he was grounded? Well, I don't, he was 12 years old. You, you see him in Scripture there, and then you don't see him until he's 30 years old. <laughs> I'm like, dang, man, that was some hard grounding. <laughs> yeah, you're going to read the Word of God, and you're going to work in your daddy's carpenter shop, and you ain't going to see the day of light until you're 30 years old. Hmm. I better get moving. Y'all getting it? Y'all getting it today? Listen, till, this is why the equipping. So, so the equipping that you have people that are teaching and equipping and, and listen, challenging you to get involved and serve. Be part of the one together with others so that the community all, but you benefit from it, others benefit from it. Amen? And it goes on, it says this. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we, when we come together as one, and we're a community, and we're preferring one another, that it's, per, it, it's purpose over preference in our preferring, we're preferring others above ourselves. That's the proof that it's purpose in our life over our preference because we're giving way to other people's preference. Does that make sense? So young people, you need to understand the respect that you show the older generation. An older generation, you need to never forget. If you celebrate your past so much that you don't give way to the future, what happens is you celebrate the past at the expense of a future. Amen. Sorry, had to preach a little bit there. Uh, that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Basically, they want to get their way. They want their preference over the purpose. And as a result of that, the church loses what can be there when people are together as one around a central purpose. But speaking the truth in love. There's a lot of people who want to speak the truth Few people who want to speak it in love. Let me say, don't ever speak the truth unless you can speak it in love. Don't ever, don't ever, look, don't love on people and live in a lie. It's like, Pastor, I can't believe you just said that. The Holy Spirit doesn't. The Holy Spirit doesn't. See, he's the comforter, but he's also known as the spirit of truth. And see, he can't compromise himself to provide this but not provide that. That's why the Bible also says that he's come to convict the world of sin. That when he shows up, there's, when he truly shows up in your life, you're reading scripture, there'll be conviction of those things that do not honor Christ. And the next thing you know, you're broke. It's like, I can't believe that's in my life. And what do I do? That's why in the book of Acts, when Peter stands up and he preaches the gospel, what happens is, is they're pricked to their heart. It says they're cut to the quick. And they cry out, what do we do? And he says, Repent. And be baptized for the remission of your sin. And you'll receive, say you'll receive, the promise of the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, see. 
And what happened, what, what happened is that's the day of Pentecost. The Spirit came. He stands up and preaches the same word. They get saved by repenting and, 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 and turning from their sins and turning to God. And the next thing you know, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So truth, he was inspired by the Spirit to speak what the Spirit was speaking to the church. And when he spoke it, 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 it cut them, it convicted them, it cut them to the quick. And the next thing you know, they got a transformation going on in people's lives. And then they're receiving the comforter. And he's bringing comfort and joy to their life that they may not be able to do it in and of themselves, but in Christ, they can live this life. I need to move along here. By every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things, into him who is the head of the church, or the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, say whole body, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love once again what that's saying is it's basically saying this that everything you're receiving you're turning and you're giving and when you're receiving and you're turning and you're giving, what ha- so, so you're being preferred and there's people who serve you, then what happens, you turn and you serve others, what, what goes on is, is true maturity does not come when others are serving you. True maturity comes when you turn and serve others. You grow up and you do your part. And when you do your part, what happens is growth is, look, we're not chasing growth. Growth comes where there's health. Anything healthy grows. And if we are healthy believers, what happens is, is everything we're receiving, we're not receiving for ourselves. It's not mental assent. Oh, I do mental assent, and I believe all these things, and therefore I am. I believe all these things, therefore I do, and therefore I am. Do you get that? See, see, there's a connection between what I believe, what I value. If I, if I val- this is what I believe, so therefore I value this, and therefore that leads to what is known as my norms, my behaviors. Well, does that mean I've got to be perfect? <laughs> if you achieve that, come let me know. I need to step down and you can take my role. <laughs> None of us will attain that while we're here on earth. We serve the one who has. Together we are one with him, and because of what he's done, it enables us to continue to walk in the way that he set before it, that new and living way, to share that with others. And what happens is, by being outward focused towards others, we find ourselves you know, in a place that... Let me say it this way. A church that's inward focus. If we're focusing and we're looking at each other or looking at, well, I don't like how this is or I don't, not that that's necessarily going on. I'm just saying if that's going on, then that's all we'll do. Uh, Larry Kreider, a uh, great man of God, he'll be in here in the fall. He's going to be talking to us about life groups and, and how we can be outward focused and how we can have both the work of the ministry outward and the work of the ministry edifying the body of Christ and speaking to one another in love and seeing ourselves grow up and how we can encourage one another. He says it this way. Uh, Let's do it the way he does it. Angie, Ken, Debbie, you've done it before. Um, Mike, come up here. All you guys get in a circle. Face in. Y'all remember this? Yeah. Mike, you remember it? Yeah, you, Mike was a teenager when that was going on, so, you know. <clears throat> but Larry Kreider, he, he teaches this thing, and he says, basically, when the church is focused in, you're looking at each other. And if you're focused in consistently, all you, what you start doing is you, are, you start 
you see each other so much, you start inspecting, you know, oh, well, that's, and he says, you see one, one another's navel went. I'm like, okay, you know. But basically, all that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong, and that's wrong. But what's right? What's right? And if you can identify what's right, thank you. If you identify what's right, and you're not focused on nitpicking one another. Hey, let me say this. That goes for your family as well. See, it, it, the closest it hits is if you can get the principles of Christ operating in your household, functioning in your household, when you come to church, it's, all it is is a further extension of what's already going on in your life. And we come together as a community so that, so that we can be encouraged and we can be in challenge. Remember, Jesus invited people and he challenged them. So we're invited, but we're also challenged that, you know what? We live our life different than the world. And all of a sudden, there's this outward focus. And here's the thing that happens. That when the idea is that you're an encouragement to your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you're helping to bear one another's burdens, all of a sudden, the body of Christ grows, right? It's ministered to, it's edified, built up. Well, what happens when we get built? I so say, what happens with a person who might have the gift of healing? As I lay my hands on Mike and I speak the gift of healing, he's like, please, pastor, don't make people come to me and ask for healing. But I say to you, come to Mike and say, when you're sick, hey, Mike, would you pray for me? Because you want to know how the gift operates? is when there's a demand placed on it. Amen. And oftentimes we're running from the things that Christ can do through us because we're looking at ourselves rather than what Christ died on the cross to provide for others. And the way he chose to do that is the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah, but this one's for me, not that one. I beg to differ. If a sick, per sick person is standing in front of you, they don't really need you to give them a prophetic word that says, God, you know, hey, God's going to do this 10 years from now. They kind of need you to lay hands on them and that the gift of healing would operate. It's like, yeah, but the Holy Spirit didn't give me that. Well, if you have the Holy Spirit, who has the Holy Spirit in here? You've been born again. You got the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want to ask you. If, if the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, if those gifts are the Holy Spirit's, and he lives on the inside of you. Are you saying that the Holy Spirit is limited where it comes to being on the inside of you? <laughs> well, it's not my gift. Is it the Holy Spirit's gift? That's all I want to know. And if, the, and, if, and if the way it was defined that we repent and we're baptized for the remission of our sins and we receive the promise of the Father and that's the Holy Spirit and he comes and as it says, Jesus says that they would be one just as we are one. How does that happen? And that, that, that they would be one in us and us in them. Right? How does that happen? That happens by the Spirit of God coming in and he says he makes his abode. Anybody know what abode means? Somebody say it if you know it. House, dwelling place. That his Spirit, God, comes and they dwell in us. So if he's dwelling in us and he was the promise to us and he dwells in us, it's kind of like it's up to us to let the gift of healing get out of us. It's up to us to let the, the, the gift of prophecy get out of us. It's up to us to let the, the gift of the discerning of spirit or the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge, the gifts of the Spirit's operation is in accordance to what we'll yield to allow the Spirit to do in and through us. See, if I'm a vessel, it's up to me how I'm used, amen? amen. So what happens is, is that, that, that when you start seeing people's lives changed and transformed because of the power of God that's working in you, all of a sudden, you want to know something? That's a whole lot more important than somebody's mistake. <laughs> Let me tell you now, 
that it's kind of like this. When I get to pray for people and I see the Spirit of God work in their life, uh, and then I get somebody come complain about the smallest little thing, <laughs> I'm just kind of like, God bless you. I'll pray about it. We'll do the best we can. And I'm off to minister to that person that's hurting, that's broken, that's in need of Jesus. Y'all get it? And there's times that people have come to me and it's like, it's like you don't care about that. It's like, it's not that I don't care about that. That's temporal. That will not matter when this is all over. But that soul or that life or that marriage or that child Y'all feel me? That matters. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Huh. Y'all know the Bible says that uh, the Spirit speaks to the church. Have you ever read that in the book of Revelation? That the Spirit speaks to the church. So much of this this morning, I had no, it falls in context. I had no idea what I was going to say. I recognize what was going on in worship. Wow. God's speaking to his church, and the world needs the church to hear him and respond. You need to hear the invitation of God. Respond to that invitation. I promise you this. If you get someone else in your life, and you make them more important than you, and you make their problems more important than your problems, I promise you God will work through you. And when he does, you'll also have a moment where you'll probably turn and be like, where did my problem go? You get it? So often, because we focus on our problem rather than on our purpose, what happens is, is the devil has us exactly where he wants us, and he'll keep beating us down and beating us down and beating us down with that situation. And God says, if you'll just focus on others. That's what Jesus did. See, make no mistake about it. God had a problem and he dealt with it. <laughs> he did it by outward focus. And Jesus stepped down from his place, humbled himself, and the Bible says became a servant. He didn't come to serve or to be served, but to serve. And when we model after him, just like the father, it might cost you. Say, it might cost me. Yeah, you didn't say that very, I mean, you did okay. But it might cost me. You got to convince yourself that it's probably going to cost you something to serve other people. But whatever it costs you, I promise that God, God will trump that. He will cause so much increase to come upon you. See, Jesus died on the cross. It says, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He endured what he had to pay, endured the price he had to pay, endured the sacrifice because he knew the promise. That as he did what he was sent to do, that there's a moment where the promise will be fulfilled. And get this, he's been given a name that's above every other name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow that he is Lord. Or every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. Amen? All right, let me jump through some of this outline real quick. <laughs> I got to get you guys out of here. You know what? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to keep that. We'll put new ones out next week. We'll put new ones out next week. I feel like today, more so, it's uh, plowing all of our... I, look, I include myself in this. I want to I serve him. I want to follow him with passion. 
I want to see people's lives. I want to see people encounter Christ in his presence. I want to see offenses in people's lives broken, those chains that bind them from experiencing all that God has. for. I want to see that broken off their life. So, you know, I can't even be, I don't know. I, I don't even, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, the Bible talks about you see the, the, you don't see the Holy Spirit, and it's defined like you don't see the wind, but you see the effects of it. You don't know where it's coming from, and you don't know where it's going. I knew in my heart God wanted to say some things this morning. Next week when we come back and we finish this outline out, I promise you, I promise you it'll, it'll bring it all to, together. The following week we're going to talk about love and how, how, uh, how it um, is to be reflected on within context of a community that together we are to be one. But today I feel like God just wanted to really challenge us. You know, where, where are you looking Where's our focus where it comes to being together, one in a community? When we see every generation in this room, and I say it with the deepest conviction I can, that I love the older generation of this church because, honestly, for 15 years I've been here now. And I've watched them endorse, financially support, and pray and get behind reaching young people for Christ. 87% of people choose Christ to follow Christ before the age of, I think it's the age of 14 or 15. That, that initial decision has much to do with what comes thereafter. That's why that's part of our focus. If we really truly believe that he came to seek and to save the lost, then we got, you know, there's an aspect of, 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 of winning them before we have to rescue them. You know what I'm saying? Because a rescue mission is a whole lot harder. The, you know, the, the, the prevention is a whole lot more costly, and it's a lot harder for, uh, for, excuse me, for uh, cure than it is for the prevention. The prevention is let's raise them up the way they should go. And I say that, that as a body, all of us should, should carry that responsibility. And the older generation in this church has, has embraced that and has done that. You know what? Everybody that's come in this church that's been older has, has not necessarily embraced that. And they've encountered a, a group of older people. We call them the wise group, the wise guys and gals. And it's in two, two ways we do that. They're wise. You know, the Lord's given them wisdom through their years. And they're just wise guys and gals, you know. <laughs> but it's the other thing I know. I watch them love on young people. I watch them speak affectionately to young people i watch them cringe when there's crazy things that are going on like you know but i know they pray for the hearts of everyone here in this church part of what i believe the spirit is speaking today in the church look we have a great church it's a loving church every person that walks that i'll tell you that's what i hear the most this is one of the most loving churches i've ever been in People that end up moving away, and if you didn't know, sometimes there's an element of, we have military. Raise your hand if you've been in the military or, you know, are in the military. Okay, it's a lot of folks, percentage-wise. And we, a lot of times we've been highly military, and so then they get orders and they deploy somewhere else, or they, and so you'll see this flux. We have what's known as the three-year and seven-year flux, six to seven-year flux. Some people do two tours, and then they're going out at the same time somebody doing three tours. And you get, like, 
you know, 20 households leaving around the same time, you know, the church is like, man, what's going on? It's like church doesn't seem to be growing. And then you see a bunch of new people start to come in and God's uh, replacing the ranks. But know this, God replaces the ranks so that we can go and win the lost. I hope what you've heard from me today does not in any way bring guilt or condemnation that, that maybe we're not reaching people the way we should or, you know, it's not the intent of it. What I, I just sense God saying is, is that, you know, Gateway Church has to be, we have to be passionate about the lost. Gateway Church has to be uh, gripped with the reason why Jesus came and died on the cross. I'm certainly grateful. In all my heart, I'm grateful for people who share the gospel with me that I'm saved today. Standing before you knowing that I am going to heaven and I get to spend all eternity with my Lord and Savior. All of you. What a joy that is, you know. But when I am out and about this community, when I see my city, my heart breaks for our city. We have one of the highest... Um, single parent stats in the nation. I don't know if you knew that. Colorado Springs has one of the highest domestic uh, abuse violence in the nation. Did you know that? We're a great city, but yet we have some major things going on, spiritually speaking, that have to be confronted. So I want to let you get out of here today. Next week we'll come back and finish this up. Again, we'll put the outlines back. You can take those home, but uh, we'll have them back out there. Uh, this is probably the first time I've done this in a long, long time. And I, I was telling uh, a couple of folks before the service, like, eh, you know, the last couple of days, I mean, I just felt like the Lord's been setting down on my heart really heavy. But I didn't know why. And I'm, I'm, made, I'm doing all my preparation, you know, and that's important. But, you know, there's sometimes we just got to go off script to address things as they are. And today I, I apologize in the, the humanity of how we all, like, I got this, I can get the points, and I'll give them to you next week. <laughs> but I hope I've challenged your heart. I hope you felt invited toward the Lord, but also challenged to go out and represent the Lord. Have you felt that today? Give me an amen if you have. All right. Father, I thank you so much for every person in this room. Lord, I'm praying that, that all of us, Father, would be just filled with passion and compassion for the people around us. And Father, uh, the, the people we haven't even encountered, them, those, the people out there, the people over there. But God, we have compassion and passion for one another to share the love of Christ. And Father, we would be faithful to the model that Jesus said of inviting and challenging. Father, there being that love towards people that's inviting, but also there being a uh, compassionate challenge that Father expresses to them there's so much more to life than just this moment that we're in. Lord, I pray for our families, for the marriages, for the couples in this room, God, for the kids. Lord, do your best. I know you do, but do your best in their life. I pray, God, that, that as they go home and they talk about 
this today and a crazy preacher up there. Man, what the world. Got to pray there would be something that resonated that they can talk about, that Lord, for their own lives that you sat down on. You anoint, you break the yoke, Father, that where they might be feeling bound in their life, that, Father, that would break off of them. Where they feel heavy burden in their life, God, that, that you would lift that heavy burden in their life. That, God, uh, in the nighttime, in the mornings, whatever is best for them when they're at their freshest, to call out to you, that, Father, they would call out to you and ask you, invite you to come into their life in greater ways. Lord, to show them things they have not seen, to give them your wisdom, your guidance, your hope. And Father, that, uh, that they would share that with someone else as they experience it. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. And Lord, I bless your people as they go today. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.